We often miss what an extraordinary and complicated achievement it is to feel mentally well. It performs so many maneuvers that result in our mood of clear-sightedness and purpose. To appreciate what mental health is, let's take a look on the multiple forces of optimally functioning mind. Firstly, a healthy mind manages to see the thoughts that needs to be entertained to manage our life effectively from thousands of stray, dramatic and horrifying thoughts. A healthy mind talks to us as a dear friend. It helps keeping critical judgment that no longer serves us at bay. At the same time, it doesn't torture us by comparing our conditions to the people who have different upbringings. It resists the pull of unfair comparisons. It recognizes the cruelty of constantly finding fault with its own nature. Along with this, a healthy mind keeps a judicious grip on the faucets of fear. It avoids catastrophic imagining. It's confident that awful things will either not unfold or could be dealt with in the event when it happens. It knows that there are broad, stable stone steps not a steep slippery incline between itself and disaster a healthy mind has compartments with heavy doors that shut securely it can compartmentalize when it needs to and not all thoughts belong to all moments a healthy mind can quieten its own buzzing preoccupations in order to focus on the world beyond itself it can be present and engaged with what and who is immediately around Not everything it could feel has to be felt at every moment. It can be a good listener. A healthy mind combines an appropriate suspicion of certain people with a fundamental trust in humanity. It can take an intelligent risk with a stranger. It doesn't extrapolate from life's worst moments in order to destroy the possibility of anything good emerging with a new acquaintance. A healthy mind knows how to hope. It identifies and then hangs on tenaciously to a few reasons to keep going. Grounds for despair, anger and sadness are of course all around. But the healthy mind knows how to bracket negativity in the name of endurance. It clings to evidence of what is still beautiful and kind. It refuses to let itself be silenced by all the many sensible arguments in favor of rage and despondency. Outlining some of the features of a healthy mind helps us to identify what can go awry when we fall ill. We should acknowledge the extent to which mental illness is ultimately as common and as essentially unshameful as its bodily counterpart. True mental health involves a full acceptance of how much ill health there will have to be in even the most competent and meaningful world and we should be no more reluctant to seek help than we are when we develop a chest infection or a sore knee and we should consider ourselves no less worthy of love and sympathy You know an easy way to work out if someone is good or not? 
direct this question at them do you think you are good and an acceptable answer to this from a person who knows about kindness patience forgiveness compromise apology and gentleness is always always no one cannot be both good and feel blameless inside goodness is a consequence of awareness of one's capacity to be bad thoughtless cruel self-righteous and deaf to legitimate needs of others only on the basis of a vigilant impression that one hasn't got the right to judge oneself above the suspicions does one come near the ethical standards that merits the title of good a guilty conscience is the bedrock of virtue it has generally never occurred to the most difficult or dangerous people that they might be lacking it's a grim that the worst deeds that humans have ever been guilty of have been carried out by people with an easy conscience people who felt that they were definitely on the sides of angels people who were sure that they can take justice in hand an impassioned feeling of being the instrument of justice has been at the heart of humanity's most appalling unkind moments it isn't always easy to worry about whether or not one might be good it's painful to have to be aware of how often one might have benefited from unfair advantages how often one might have been impatient or in temperament malign or thoughtless then again it is only through such arduous doubts that one can keep any sort of check on one's vanity and aggression and render oneself appropriately thoughtful and gentle it's a hallmark of all the cruelest ages of history that certain groups decide that they have landed on a cause that give them a monopoly on justice that a particular god has given them a special mission to eradicate sin or when their study of economics or biology have shown them one true path to an upright future at which point there is no limit to the number of eggs that can be broken to concoct the righteous omelet and by implication the kindest stretches of history are those when a majority daily awake wondering how they might go easy on others because they are so flawed themselves when a sense of skepticism and apology dominates every social exchange when one is constantly charitable in word and deed form a sense of impeachability and when people can always readily forgive because they know how much in them needs to be forgiven we tend to begin our lives with a deeply unrepresentative experience of being surrounded by people who care for us to an extraordinary extent we often look up from dreams and confusion of early infancy and may find people with a smile looking down at us gently stroking their hair from our face they even watch us when saliva drips from our mouth only to wipe it away as if dabbing a precious canvas they declare a supernatural when we succeed at pulling a smile the applause rings for days when we take our first steps giggles totters fall and bravely try to resume progress this praise when we form the letters of our own name for years big people take care of us from making us eat to putting on boots they dance around us they tuck us in when we are feeling uncomfortable and try to find out the reason for anxiety
At school, there are encouraging teachers who would try to find any signs of tentative talents. Granny is no less kind. She sometimes makes us feel as if she has no life outside of the days we came to visit. It was strange of course, but by now not entirely unexpected. Without anything arrogant or presumptions being meant, this is what we start to expect. Then we grew up and got introduced to this horrific reality. We exist in a world of astonishing indifference to almost everything we are. In late adolescence, the point really hits home while wandering down the streets of the city at night on our own when it comes to hit us with full force how negligible a thing we are in the wider scheme. No stranger with concern, a huge truck thunder busts. No one is going to stroke our heads now. We are tiny against the tar and advertisement hoardings. We might die and no one would notice. We make it all the more by focusing only on its darkest dimension. We can remain grief-stricken by how invisible we are and forget to put this bracing thought to its proper philosophical purpose, that of rescuing us from another problem, an ongoing and highly corrosive sense of self-consciousness. In another side of our minds, we haven't accepted the indifference of others at all and suffer from thinking how much they are thinking about us. We can become extremely worried about how high-pitched and odd our voices sounded when we asked the waiter for more milk. We are certain that the sales attendant noticed how out of shape our stomach is. The people in the restaurant where we are eating alone are undoubtedly spending a lot of time wondering why we have no friends. At work, they are still dwelling on that slightly stupid thing we did last month in a meeting. A person we went to bed with four years ago is to this day thinking ill of us in some powerful but undefined way. We don't have evidence for all of this and yet we are emotionally certain. It is intuitive that our foolishness and less than impressive sides are being noted and dwelt on at the time by everyone at large. Everything we do that is not normal has been registered by the widest constituency. To liberate us from this punitive narrative, we may need to conduct a thought experiment. We have to time how long we spend on the foolishness of others. How we are thinking and feeling about people we don't particularly know. This is perhaps the best guide to the workings of the average human imagination to pretty much the rest of the world. We are the very same sort of stranger or casual acquaintance as we know and deal with in our own daily experiences. At a party, consider this, a social acquaintance explain how they've broken up with their partners. They feel this will be a big news for us. We try to adjust our face in an appropriate pose. Was this a liberation from a disastrous marriage or a tragic betrayal by someone they were deeply in love with? We don't know and in reality, we just want to get back to our other friends in the kitchen. Or 
two people from the other office get together at a work conference the next morning when they come down for breakfast they are blushing and embarrassed imagining that everyone will be judging them for their morals but we don't we just concerned about the train home we have no idea how they should be living their lives in other words when we take our own minds as a guide we get a far more accurate and far less apprehensive vision of what's likely to be going on the heads of others when they encounter us that is in the nicest way not very much it's not that we or they are horrible our lacking of caring isn't absolute if we really saw a stranger in the trouble in water we would dive in when a friend is in tears we are sympathetic it's just that for the most part we need to filter our everyday lack of care occurs for a perfectly sane and forgivable reason we need to spend most of our waking energies on navigating and doing justice to our own intimate concerns once we have had to think about our relationships our careers our finances our health our close relatives our offsprings our upcoming holidays our friends and the state of our household there will just be very little time left to reflect on the suddenly high pitched voice of a customer or an outfit of a colleague we are over the upside of an otherwise tragic insult we shouldn't just suffer from the indifference of others we should where it matters properly reciprocated we shouldn't merely suffer from being ignored we should accept the liberation implicit in the fact that we are being so and then in turn we should embark more courageously on those situations and adventures where a touch of foolishness is always a possibility the start of a new business a romantic invitation a question at a conference we may fail but we can believe with a new certainty that almost no one will give a damn if we do an idea that may above anything help help us to contribute to our success something which as we now know no one will care about anyways <laughs>